Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Uh-oh, here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. I'm here with my man Izzy motherfucking Rock, so pay attention. Talk to you, my man Flavor. So, check yourself before you wreck yourself. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid. Kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen. Dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle, sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in, these tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 264 of Tales from the Hard Side podcast. I'm Izzy Rock, your host and producer. I've released this podcast since 2012. It's coming up on five years, coming up here in April. By the way, if you want to and you're in the Dayton, Ohio area, and you want to hear what's going on in the Dayton, Ohio area, I do a podcast called Gym City Podcast. I help uh, produce and I host content over there on that site. And we have uh, three different podcasts we release on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays is a couch conversation with my buddies Libby and Mark. They uh, interview people like the Dayton Police Department, the mayors, the festivals around the area, different food trucks, you know. They're more of an interview show. And then Wednesday, I drop an episode called a Storyteller episode, which features, which features local musicians, rappers, uh, bands, you know, different music from in and around the Dayton, Ohio music scene. And I've been a big music fan all my life and used to go see shows as a teen at different places in and around Dayton. So it's kind of cool for me to connect and talk to different people who are involved with music in the area. And so we release those on Wednesdays. And then on Fridays is You Can't Make This Up podcast. Um, they're Kev Nash and DJ Killy Kev. They talk about sports. They talk about hip-hop. And they talk about what's popping in the DYT. So go check them out. Um, and I produce all that content behind the scenes. I mean, You Can't Make This Up podcast. They produce their own podcast but then you know i add the bumper gym city podcast intro and things like that to the podcast uh so yeah so i'm doing a lot of editing and a lot of producing behind the scenes and coming up on april 1st we have a gym city comic con we have a live podcast and then at one o'clock we're doing a podcast q a featuring a bunch of local podcasters so come check it out if you're in the Dayton area. I'd love to come and chat with you, take a picture, whatever. 
Uh, but I want to recap my week and then kick off this episode that I recorded last weekend with a couple comedians, a couple dudes from the American Heretics Comedy Tour. And uh, these guys were good dudes. I got a message from them on Facebook and uh, I went out and talked to them. And it was uh, it was a good conversation. It's kind of, it was kind of fun. Kind of reminded me of back in the day when I would go and interview like Ari Shafir in his hotel room, or I would interview Duncan Trussell in his hotel room, or Tom Segura in the green room. Uh, it reminded me of sitting. I love sitting and talking to comics. Comics uh, are very introspective, and I dig it. Uh, this it was a it was a really cool conversation I had with these guys. I talked to these gentlemen, and by the way, a heretic is a person holding an opinion at odds with what is generally accepted. Uh, (laughs) Synonyms are dissenter, nonconformist, and free thinker. And so I chatted with Tom Simmons and Jay Whitecotton, two good dudes, two interesting cats, and they were in town for the weekend, and I went and my wife dropped me off. And then I went, uh, interviewed them, and they went to the mall and went shopping. So it was a perfect time. Uh, but ever since then, so last that was last weekend that that happened. And then on Tuesday, and I went and saw Kong Skull Island, and I highly recommend to see it in the theaters if you get the chance. It's uh, to see those big monsters fighting on the screen, on the big screen, and the animation is done by LucasArts and I think uh, a division of LucasArts um, Industrial Lights and Light and Magic, I think is what they're called. They're either responsible for the sound or the animation, one or the other. But it looks fantastic. It You, you get lost in this movie. Um, Slash Filmcast is a podcast I listen to that covers movies. And they talked about it being... Michael Bayish in the way the characters are developed. Like you are introduced to a lot of characters and sometimes when they die, you don't really give a shit about them. Um, or they die in weird ways that are abnormal to what happens in other movies. Um, Kong is like, this was amazing to watch. I liked, I liked Peter Jackson's movie. I actually own it. I think the second half is way better. When they actually get to Kong, it's way better. Um, Way better than the first part. But I think this movie, they're trying to link universes with Godzilla and all the huge monsters, which if anybody is a guy who or a girl who grew up there in the 70s and 80s and you saw the movies like Godzilla, King Kong, you saw movies like that, I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up. I am a kid when it comes to that kind of stuff. I will always see those kind of movies, especially if they're done well. And this was definitely a B-type movie, a B-movie, but it was a roller coaster ride. There were some parts where it dragged on. It could easily have been a good hour and a half movie, but it was a little over two hours. Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say on a scale of five, I give it a four four and a half um it's a lot of fun a lot of fun so i look forward to seeing more king kong go see it if you if you get the chance 
I went all by myself. My kids didn't want to go. My wife didn't want to go. And so I said, fuck it, and went all by myself. Do you get awkward? Do you hate going to the movies by yourself? It doesn't bother me. Um, also, I want to tell you that this week I have some inspired records besides Kong. I watched Arrival last night, and it discussed ideas like time is linear. It was kind of a time travel movie a little bit. Uh, dealt with aliens, Amy Adams rules. It was more drama than sci-fi, but I had fun with the idea that they were tossing around. The end idea is a pretty cool concept and I fell in love with it. So it's a good one. Uh, I started watching the show Legion and it's a pretty interesting show. Uh, it's, it's from Marvel. I think it has to do with like the X-Men and mutants and things like that. That part of the Marvel Universe. Um, because the Legion has an X and the O. And so uh, you're dealing with people who have powers. And people who... Like, it's, it's a pretty psychedelic show. Pretty trippy. But I'm going to keep watching it. Check that out. And I watched Hardcore Henry today. It is Friday. I'm off today. I was off Thursday night and Friday night, so I'm off today. I watched Hardcore Henry while I was doing my yoga and kettlebells. Uh, by the way, my diet's still going well. But I could see Hardcore Henry giving people um, sickness, motion sickness watching it because it's like watching a first-person point of view from a video game. It is crazy. I can't imagine how they pulled off some of these stunts. Like. In film aspect, I've never seen anything like this before. If you guys like action movies, definitely see Hardcore Henry. Um, yeah, I got me an Amazon Fire Stick this week and hooked that thing up. I highly recommend it. It's good stuff. Um, also, if you guys are checking out the news, boy, how about this Jeff, Jeff Beauregard Sessions? Um, this gentleman was born December 24th, 1946, the day before Christmas. And Jeff is the Attorney General of the United States under Donald Trump. And he came out this week. He's, he's an interesting cat. He was a big shill for Big Tobacco. He's an anti-weed crusader, big against drugs. Um, he's concerned about marijuana. Uh, he said that he doesn't want it to be sold at every grocery store. Uh, anyway, so he is he is something else. He is the more I research on Jeff Sessions, the more I realize like here's an old school programmed person to send out this message, this anti drug message that he believed worked in, at a certain time. Even though he was receiving tons of money from Big Tobacco. Um, so some of these issues get pushed. You know, Big Tobacco doesn't want marijuana legal. Big, like, there's so many companies that don't want marijuana legal. And it's weird that, it, that he's pushing back on it. Because if you look at the money that people in Colorado are making, and, you know, Republicans are supposed to be anti big government, stay out of your personal business. And he seems to be going against that. And 
as somebody who's followed politics, that is one of the most frustrating things is having a, a politician who the science and data is clearly there. They just ignore it for um, whatever reason. And Jeff Sessions is another one of those guys who believes that we need to get back to the just say no era. The just say no era, he, um, uh, you know, this past week he said he believes marijuana is only slightly less less awful than heroin. Guys, Dayton, Ohio right now is having, in Ohio in general, part of the Midwest, many parts of the country is having a heroin epidemic where they're having so many overdose overdoses and so many people are taking this heroin that it's mixed with fentanyl. This is going on at the same time that he's talking about how marijuana is slightly less awful than heroin. And we see the effects. There's nobody dying from, from weed. No one. There's no bodies. None. There's no overdose deaths. None. Okay? You would have heard people in the news going, this person died of marijuana overdose. And a lot of times people are using these drugs, like prescription drugs and things like that, that uh, they're mixing them together and using them with alcohol, and it's causing all these issues for people. But a lot of people are trying heroin for one reason or another. Maybe they got hooked on pills, and pills became too expensive, so they went with heroin, which is cheaper, which is freaking crazy to me. The heroin is cheaper than pills. We need to have cannabis legal and available for adults to use to have a replacement for stuff like opioids for stuff like you go get a a prescription for people deserve the right to be able to get high if they want to i can drink beer i can drink alcohol no problem nobody at the store stops me and everybody's heard this argument before but it's just so amazing to see in 2017 when the evidence is there that this an old school gentleman in an environment where you know that's what they went after what they went after drugs and it's not working something is not working with the drug laws in the United States and we we definitely need to do something about it um and that starts by legalizing cannabis nationwide let's let's do something i'm sick of it all but anyway i'm off guys i'm about to go make some dinner for my family and then I think we're going to watch another movie. And I'm going to go hang out with my buddy Scott and Jessica. Somehow winter came back. It's March and winter came back. Fuck winter. Uh, Jody and Justin, I missed Bad Parenting Podcast this week. Where Where was the Bad Parenting Podcast? Um, love that podcast. Go check it out, y'all. Podcast Collective is a podcast network that Justin puts on. And... He put together, and there's a ton of great content over there. And also go check out my buddies at The Mediocre Show. Good people. Frank and Eric deliver some funny podcasts weekly. And uh, I dig it. So go check it out. And go check out Gym City Podcast, like I said. And, uh, you know, give me some love. Go ahead and... uh, Let's get to this. Let's get to this podcast with the American Heretics Comedy Tour and talk about some stand-up comedy, talk about getting punched on stage at a comedy show, 
and why they named the tour the American Heritage Comedy Tour. Um, I enjoyed talking to these guys, and I hope you do too. So take care of yourselves. Have a great week. Come out and see me April 1st at Gym City Comic Con, and we'll have a grand old time. All right? See y'all later. Oh, by the way, I'm still doing great on the keto diet. Still not cheating. The last thing I had was that cake for Zach's birthday. But I'm going on almost two months on this. Not looking at the scale anymore. Just focusing on uh, the diet and the exercise. And the exercise, man, it's hard for me to get motivated when I'm just laying around watching TV. But then I'm like, I could exercise while I'm watching TV. So uh, I've been doing about four days a week. So... Ooh, yeah. All right, let's do it. American Heretics Comedy Towa. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Izzy Rock, one of the hosts and producers for the Gym City Podcast. I want to invite you to join us for a live Gym City Podcast and podcast Q&A at Gem City Comic Con on Saturday, April 1st in Panel Room A at the Dayton Convention Center. Get your tickets now for this exciting event at GemCityComicCon.com slash tickets. 12 p.m. is the live Gem City Podcast. We'll be going from 12 to 12.50. At 1 o'clock is a podcast question and answer session. Anything you want to ask local podcasters? Have you thought about starting a podcast? Do you have any questions at all? Come join us at Gym City Comic Con at 1 p.m. on Saturday, April 1st. April Fool's Day, guys. Join us at high noon for a live podcast and stick around for the podcast Q&A. Let's do this. Gym City Comic Con. Welcome in to the Gem City Podcast, a podcast about Dayton for Dayton. Check out this and all past episodes online at gemcitypodcast.com. You can also listen to the Gem City Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow Gem City Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Gem City Podcast is brought to you by Folio Design House, Epic Life Fitness, Venus Child Productions, now let's get to it with this episode of the Gym City Podcast. Yeah, I think it's a, I don't know, it's a Zoom H6. It's a pretty powerful piece of equipment. Oh yeah, I got the H4, man. That's so I have much the H4 with, the... with me. This one's nice, but it's, uh, yeah, we... We got a couple of them last year for Gym City Podcast and for my own podcast. The other one was going out, the Zoom H4N was going out. And so one of my, I got the H6 and then one of my friends fixed it. So at home in my own area, I use that. Yeah. But for stuff like this, I use this. Okay. So, um, so podcast listeners, I want to welcome you to the podcast because uh, this will be released on Tells from the Hard Side and Gym City Podcast. And unfortunately, this will be in the future, so you won't be able to go to the show tonight. But I'm talking to a couple gentlemen for the American Heretics Comedy 
comedy tour that is coming through Wiley's this weekend. I'm talking to Tom Simmons and Jay White Cotton. Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys doing? I love the question on my name. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that doesn't sound real. <laughs> it doesn't sound real. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, for when I was growing up, I would just tell, like, my dad convinced me I was Native American when I was five. So I was telling people I was an Indian. And then they're like, Jay, it's Native American. Right. <laughs> yeah, they would correct me on you my own. be insulting yourself. Yeah, my own false heritage. Yeah. Uh, I, we don't know where the name comes from. Uh-huh. It's actually a mystery. Uh, the closest idea we got is that. Uh, some guy named John White married a woman named Mary Cotton. And in the days, back in the old days, she was rich. To be able to get her money, they had to combine the names. Really? So, yeah, that's as close as we've gotten to maybe where the name comes that's from. Maybe she was just the original feminist, you know what I mean? That was mm-hmm. like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, I'm going to keep my maiden name and. And my family <laughs> were the original sugar mamas. Okay, right. <laughs> so, gentlemen, go ahead and... Uh, Give all your information as far as Twitter and where people can find you real quick. Um, uh, Google, probably yeah. the quickest. <laughs> I always, I don't, I hate that. I, I never understand. Like if someone's really interested in someone, they just Google them and what they do next to them. And I'm sure it pops up. Sure, sure, My right. Google is terrible. So you go, go to, <laughs> go to uh, at, at T Simmons comedy for both uh, Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. Uh-huh. And then just Tom Simmons on on Facebook. Yeah, right to on. be fair, there is another like white supremacist Tom Simmons. Is there? Is there? Uh, there might be. And a, there, and there's an actor porn. Tom Simmons that I had to go with comedy on it. So, yeah, that that's a pretty common one, isn't it? Add comedy at the end. Yeah. Well, I think it's more like if you add comedy, you're not a comedian. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> but I there was when I did it. Will you take the picture with the, the improv behind you? I didn't really think of it that way when I was looking. It was like, oh, there's a Tom Simmons. That's a that's an actor that has Tom Simmons first. So I just went with I. I don't. I at the time, especially, I could care less about social media and stuff. So, yeah. and I don't really use Twitter much as is. So Instagram, I'm starting to use more, and Facebook is where I do most nice. of the stuff. And then the American Heretics Comedy Tour, we have the page and yeah. and hereticscomedy.com. Is that what it is? I I think so. It's well, comedy heretics or heretics comedy. I don't know. I we should know this stuff. You you guys can look it up. Yes. Uh, it, the links will be in in the notes of the podcast. Okay. So. so I want to figure out how long you guys have been doing it. I want to talk about how you got here and talk. Let's talk about the American Heretics Comedy Tour. Okay. Um, Not as pretentious as it sounds. <laughs> that's, our, that's our that's our first tagline. So, what's your impression? Let me start there. Like okay. that's more interesting to me is of what what's coming across to you about it. Well, see, I okay. So I looked it up, and you guys, you guys, you guys did a great job having the description on the website. A heretic is a person holding an opinion at odds with what is generally accepted, and the uh, synonyms are dissenter, nonconformist, and freethinker. Uh, yes, you know, like you got me when, when I when I saw heretic, American Heretics Comedy Tour, I was I was like, oh, I'm in. That's great. Yeah. See, that's what we we I mean we we were we. St- struggle you know, I struggled but we you know you try to think of a name like how do we brand it and we, it's not about necessarily branding us but the audience that we sure. want at the shows you know yeah. because we we're in standard stand-up yeah for me for 20 years Stuart for about the same jay for nine yeah and 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 generally comedy clubs we're we're not necessarily fighting the crowd, but we're trying to figure out how to make a crowd that totally disagrees with us. I laugh. will straight up fight the crowd. Right? Yeah. Yes, and and Stewart's been punched a couple times. We're not out there like like fuck you, you're wrong. Right. We're not those kind of guys, but we've be- basically been 
It's fighting f- the mainstream to do our jokes. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's more fuck you. This is funny. Yeah, yeah, and then and 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 I in my in my thing, I feel like I figured out a way to sort of trick them into laugh, get them laughing on the way in, and then flip it. Blah blah blah. But yeah. regardless, we're, we ha- we're we the audience that we when they're there and they know that what it is. It changes like the whole thing. It pushes us to go further. Like you can do the more stuff that you're like, I oh, can't do that tonight. And it, it it's just a, that's it, it changes the dynamic of how the show goes. And I just love it. You know what I mean? Because it's like instead of Ugh, I hope I could talk about race or I hope I could talk about abortion or what this bugs me about the uh, Trump or whatever, whatever it is without somebody jumping up and yelling at you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of tours, they're 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 all about trying to brand themselves and it's all like a marketing ploy. Yeah. And this one was really it, 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 we're not trying to describe ourselves as much as we're trying to describe the people we'd rather be talking to. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. Then, so we went around, we had a tour, Stuart and I were on another tour last year where we, it was like a Southern liberal thing. Yeah. So we were, and, and we, re, that's, I think the first time I've realized, oh, there are people looking for this yeah. that aren't being talked to. And, Absolutely. The, and, and are, and so that excited me, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, so, but we wanted to, Stuart and I wanted the tour to be more, just to be something we would be really proud of and jay and jay really isn't like to me is a comic that when he when i work with him he pushes me to be better he's he does stuff that makes me go i wish i'd have taken that angle or i wish i'd have thought about that or and then i come off feeling proud about what i did and he's like you really should do more you know what i mean so it's it's exciting you know what i mean and i haven't had that in my gut about like i can't wait to go do this in in a couple of years so it's exciting to have that do you guys feel at this time, especially um, kind of talking about politics at Midwest shows or shows in the South where, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of red out there. Yeah, I uh, I like it. I, I You know, the, everyone's always bitching about their echo chambers, but they do a damn good job of creating it. Yeah, true. Yeah. it's true. They're like, oh, even people that are screaming about it are the ones that are screaming to people that already agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Right. Danny used to say, Bevan, my buddy Danny Bevins used to say about Stanhope, he's like, I mean, he lo- we, obviously we all love him, but he would say, well, once you walk half the room, well, then you, ha- of course, then you have a church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, like yeah. there was, there's a, there's the, there's different methods that we take as comics of either clear the room of all the people that are going to be offended or don't agree with you and then your crowd is there and they're hungry for it. Or you, I just you try figure out a way to, be, to trick them and keep them all in the room and make everybody laugh. You know? Honestly, I just try not to be a smug piece of shit about it. Sure, you know, like nothing's just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that they're terrible. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times they are. They are terrible, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. They're terrible, <laughs> but I'm not gonna go Bill Maher on them and then just like slink away with that side look he does yeah. with that. Uh, I love prostitutes, but I'm so cheeky, you know. And then end on a punchline where the the joke is Republicans. Yeah. It's just fucking lazy, you know. And plus, I'd rather people. I like to see them squirm. If they don't agree, it's more fun to see them miserable, just sitting there. They paid to have a good time, and then they can't because they're so close-minded. <laughs> and then it. they have to take it. See now that that makes me love it even more. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always loved um, stuff that has kind of pushed boundaries and things like well, that. Well, yeah. It's like uh, when that Colin Kaepernick thing was going on. Yeah. Uh, I was working in San Antonio and uh, it just kind of organically kind of came about it, but everyone was bitching about him, you know, kneeling, not, yep. you know, rising for the, the, the whole anthem bullshit. 
and uh, I kind of tricked the audience into it, trying to play both sides. You know, one side is the opportunist, you know, just doing it because it's contract negotiation and he's a bench warmer. Yeah. You know, uh, or is he actually making a stand for Black Lives Matter? Does it matter either way if he's wrong, if it's a good message? You know, he could be a piece of shit, but it's still a good message. And at the end, to challenge the crowd to disagree with me, I would make them rise to sing the national anthem as we played it in the back. <laughs> and then thank them for the standing ovation. Uh, something I learned. Uh, nobody knows the lyrics to that fucking song. They don't, do they? The most patriotic people. So I took it through the South. I didn't go to the most liberal places. I, I took it through like uh, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, uh, Tennessee, just knowing that those crowds were not going to like it. But, you know, it's it, what better way to showcase their own hypocrisy than like you can't pretend to care about something you don't even know the words to. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I, we have a podcast on our Gym City podcast feed called You Can't Make This Up. And they talked about it recently how a lot of people are, are fake mad. Oh, yeah. They're mad about. Well, it's outrage culture. It's, it a, it's a form of expression. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even necessarily fake. Because they, they uh, clearly they're legit mad. Sure, uh, it's just it's uh, it feels artificial. Yes, because they need to create that to feel. It's like a, it's like a different form of commercialism. You know how people used to just buy stuff to define, like they would define themselves based on what they purchased. Yeah, they still do. They still do <laughs> a lot. But now they're doing that with their uh, with their online presence. Yes. because posts are also kind of like labels. Yeah, so they'll get on Facebook and then they'll create these heroic posts of like, you know, if you believe beating women is right, just unfriend me right now. Yeah. I don't want you buying my album. <laughs> I don't need these type of fans. You're like, who the fuck? <laughs> Number one, who's disagreeing with that? You're not a hero for saying something blatant. And two, why don't you delete them yourself? Yes. Yes. You yeah. nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't pay attention to that kind of, I don't really try to analyze culture and stuff like that. I yeah. just write jokes about what's happening. Sure. So, sure. <laughs> That's I'm that's a, how analyzing culture works. Yeah, though. I guess. I just <laughs> I don't analyze culture. I just study it and write jokes <laughs> yeah, about it. Just, yeah. So, how did you guys come together to get this tour going? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Um, well, yes. Just, like I said, Stuart and I were were sort of coming out of this. That other tour was was working pretty good, but then you know there was also we didn't want to get locked into the southern thing. Yeah. And then when Trump got elected. We were like, oh, all of America feels this way. You know, like, I'm excited by right now because, to be honest, like, I've been writing jokes about these subjects for 15 years. Abortion that's getting ready to be, they're going to defund Planned Parenthood. Or or we've been writing about whatever, the military and the and patriotism and all these sort of bigger sort of, like, things. And now people care about them. Yes. And I've been writing on them for a long time so i have the jokes to go with whatever the new jokes are i'm just excited because like my for instance like my wife is an example i think of normal culture which is for the last year i've been writing and complaining about politics and writing segments for this online thing i do and she could care less whatever and then trump gets elected and she's waking up and recording talk of talk of the nation or, and oh, and the sunday talk shows and she's like you got to start talking about this i'm like i've been talking about it you just haven't cared about it for forever and now you're like oh shit i gotta care so i feel like people they're more open to hear these things than they were whatever four years ago or well, if, it, you know if i'm talk bitching about the federal reserve bank people have now heard more people have now heard about it so it's it's just it's just i'm excited by I feel like the comedy that we do is 
has a relevance and a purpose and An why we do comedy, why why I got into comedy was listening to these guys in the beginning, like Pryor and Carl and these guys like that and Hicks and like they're these gunslingers out there taking on like I'm gonna make a difference in the world and yeah. That and then you get out and start doing comedy, and you're like, well, they're not looking for it. nobody. There's nothing. The industry's not looking for nobody wants that. Yeah. And I feel like now there's more of a of a feeling of God. Where where are why aren't we talking about these things? And then we are, and so it fits. Yeah. So I'm, that's why I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, actually a byproduct of the outrage culture you're upset about. Yeah. As uh, the abortions in the in the medium. Uh, rape cultures in the medium, uh, patriarchy, feminist issues are in the medium, and now they want to hear about it because they're defining themselves by that outrage. Uh, we just happen to have the jokes already written. Yes, yes, yeah. And Stuart, on the other hand, you know, he like he writes these hour shows now. Like it, he's putting out materials f- as fast as anybody right now, and he puts out these great. Like his show now, sort of starts with the arc of. Like uh, we have a totally open mind as a child, like of just a wonderment, right? And then somewhere between that and whenever the mind closes, and he's yeah. like, "Why does the human mind close?" And then he answers that through jokes for an hour, and it's like it's so beautiful, wow. you know. It's like, and he has all these examples of how we kill the scientists, we kill the philosophers, we kill the people that speak the truth, and that's not a new thing. That's happened. That's just what humans do, and he shows the examples all the way. So I, to me, that's the I, I love that. So he's pulling from those and those heretics, and that's sort of his part of the show. Is the overall like this is what humans do, and Jay, um, I don't know even know how to describe how you're how you're doing it. I don't know? think anyone's ever been able. to. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's all he's all over the place, but still sort of on theme and sort of irritated like like that at all of culture and our fakeness <laughs> as we participated yeah. in. It. And I'm more about like. You know, I'm just doing the. I'm joking about the the world, the world, and I'm trying to teach my son about it. You yeah, know? as you're observing it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Tom, Tom's a Tom's a dad. Yeah. And uh, how, how many kids you got? Buddy? I just have one. Nice. So I mean, it doesn't. I'm not all about like. And so I'm talking to my son, yeah. and he says this wacky thing. You know, it's more yeah. just like you know, I'm genuinely worried about the future of mankind yeah. in the world, and I have a, this little boy that I'm sure there's going to be a societal collapse in his lifetime that he needs to be prepared for. So. Yeah, my lit- my favorite observation, and I'm probably just because I keep telling him to talk about it, he won't, so I'm going to do it right. and just make fun of him. <laughs> is that Tom is like a former conspiracy theorist who still dreads the future and saying <laughs> that we're all going to destroy it. Like learning gardening. We had com- phone conversations where you're learning how to garden just idiotic. in case nuclear holocaust. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and, and Papa's w- got to get his cherry blossoms. I have a lot of water under the house and some macaroni <laughs> and cheese and black beans just in case. You know what I mean? Like, I and at the <laughs> same time, And at the same time, he's got to help coach his kids little league team giving him signals in between running bases even though he knows it's all going to be destroyed Uh, what was your first favorite conspiracy theory that you came across well i mean you know as a young and in my young i i remember getting into the kennedy one you know and then uh i don't know if that was it but and you know and then the conspiracy of just god in general yeah that's a, that's a, that's so, a deep one. Yeah. <laughs> so that one was one where I was like, what? It's not what we were at, you know? And then as I, at some point, I just stopped reading Stephen King and was in a bookstore and was wondering about 
whatever god or father you know and that was like oh all the greatest minds in human history have already thought about this and written about it i'll read what they have to say you know so i started diving into that and then meeting guys like him who'd go like hey have you read howard blue you know i mean whatever and then i it just takes me to wherever but the first uh, 9-11 got me a little bit obviously obviously because i remember reading the 9-11 commission report and being like well the other one for kennedy was bullshit why do i want to believe it and then, yeah, I and then I met a guy the, in Canada who gave me like some of the some defending the Rubicon and a couple other books that got me into it really early on. And then when I read when I read about the when I learned about money and the Federal Reserve Bank was sort of the, the final ticket for me of oh well they own the money none of this is real yeah and so it, that sort of and I don't feel like that's I think that that's not a conspiracy that's showable and if they're not doing it they're dumb right i mean if you own the money why would you not own the governments in the world and the media yeah i've I've never i feel like a lot of conspiracy theories that are or a lot of ideas that are thrown in a conspiracy theory camp is just basic bitch truce yeah yeah there's always been kingmakers yeah you've never had control of your life and that's not really a conspiracy that's been the status uh it's how human beings kind of have operated forever in every civilization there's always been Hey, I have everything, and maybe you'll get some. I think now they're a little more hidden in the fact that, like, like now we're like, there's no keeping up with the Rothschilds. You know what I mean? There's right. no like, you know, let's go do the Rockefellers. And oh, there, I don't, the Bilderberg Group. You know what if I mean? You da, da, learn, da, da, no, da, how, how, no, actually, it's more out there. It's just nobody cares. Yes, yes. It's hard yes. to compete with actual entertainment. And I remember learning that stuff and being like, oh my god, everybody's gonna want to hear this. Yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. wants it. You know, well, it's it, like it, it's you know. like when you first quit drinking and you're like, <laughs> hey, everybody, you should. There's a there's a way, you know, like you're yeah. an alcoholic, you should probably look at the, the everyone, shut up. Nobody That's a really good analogy. Sober people are the worst. Yes. <laughs> Sober comics are even worse. And I'm not talking about comics who don't drink. I'm talking about comics who won't shut up about how they don't drink. Yeah. Oh, I once had a triple sec when I was 17 and, and didn't watch my little brother and he's fine and I have a problem. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking bitch! Uh, I'm so mad. You're hilariously cynical. No, I'm not everything. cynical. It's just I, I I don't trust these frauds who 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 affect that uh, as a personality and attribute for you to to garnish sympathy because they can't write a punchline. Yes, that's what we're, that's what we're trying not to be with this show is to be fraud. We're trying to just do the comedy we love to and and target the audience that we know is out there for it. Yeah. yeah, we're not attracting a lot. I hope we're not attracting a lot. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I like conspiracy theories like like fables. Yeah. Uh, I'm with, I'm against you on this. I I think some of them are really. Well, I'll, I'll back this up. Uh, I, I having met a lot of other like when you the the, the goal of conspiracy theories. I, I think it really it helps your narcissism. You sure? Yeah, it feeds into your narcissism because like yeah, I know something. Yeah, I know something other people don't know. Right. And was, so those when when you meet other conspiracy theorists. Like when you're alone in your room because you've gone through a breakup and you have nothing and the band's not working out. Yeah, fucking let's let's. What happened to Building Seven? Yeah. You know, let's yeah. see this jet fuel and steel. You know, I need to know something because I I'm lonely. But when you meet other conspiracy theorists, you start hanging around like fuck. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. A lot of them are just dudes that like grew up eating too much cereal, jacked up on sugar while watching uh, uh, Scooby-Doo mysteries, and, and then they grow up to live in a van to tell you what's really going on, brother, and, and then quote Alex Jones every fucking day like he's not a fucking fraud. Yeah. Alex Jones is a fraud, <laughs> is a piece of shit fraud, and I'm so happy that he backed Trump and everyone can see him for the fraud he is. That Rogan podcast, when you just hear him babble. That's great. I have 10 years of Alex Jones tapes 
where he's uh, on Coast to Coast. (laughs) Oh, I love uh, Coast to Coast. Yes. Yeah. I I love it. I I used to tape Coast to Coast when I was little because I loved loved all that shit. It's fun. It is. Like fables. Yeah, that's right. Like the Avengers. It's fun. And there there are rings of truth. There are actual conspiracies exist. There was a conspiracy to kill JFK. He's dead. Franz Ferdinand. There was an actual conspiracy of Serbian rebels to kill someone. Those things are real. But when you when you pollute it with uh, with pseudo science and, and and things that just purport your your narcissism, so you can feel like you're above someone else, well, well then you're dipping into to to clouding up the subject, and, and that's why these these Bilderbergers are able to just keep doing what they're doing because no one of, will fucking buy into what you're saying. What kind of science? Pseudoscience. Okay. It sounded like he said something else, didn't it? <laughs> I thought so. Why too. are you always... Anyway, I, I was just going to run with it. <laughs> I have a speech impediment, <laughs> and I'm that, trying to hide it. Me too. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. I, I know. I think it, but I, That's I, why I don't talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lovely speaking voice. I, I know, but I, I don't know the words don't always come together. Right? <laughs> Your sister, I just, it's, I'm, a, that's, I'm a word guy, so comedy-wise, I'm always focused on double entendres and like, a, like a, the different use of a word. And so when I hear one used a little bit differently than the way I hear it, I, it, it Most of jumps time, yeah. out in my I don't head. Like, I don't care. I don't like words. Uh, to me, it's the spirit of the words, sure. like, uh, the intent. And uh, to get back to that Alex Jones thing, just in case there's a few of your listeners that are like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Just go, go go to a record to all his predictions that he's ever made. He doesn't have a good record. What do you think about that video of uh, the, um, oh, what's the, damn it, where he went and saw the owl? What's the? I, he, old, rich, d- dude. He went and saw the owl? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, burning the, the, owl. The, the, the burning burning owl, owl, the dancing, all effigy. the rich. What, what is the What is the fucking thing called? The the Bilderberger camp? No, with yes. The, the, yeah, it's, I know exactly. It's, uh, damn, We're it's infiltrating. In Brothers, in California. Anyway, w- yeah. the big world. I'll, I'll remember. Here's the thing: I, the two things kind of corrected me. Like, are, are are super rich people all hanging out and kind of coming up with ideas to work with? Yeah. Uh, are they just like? Are they human beings like all of us? Yeah, they also are. Talk to people. There's articles about this. Talk to the staff that has to work those things. There's just regular dudes who have seasonal jobs, like they were working at Six Flags, who just have to give cheeses and fruit chays to all these fucking rich people. And they'll just tell you, yeah, they're just a bunch of drunks running around wearing robes and being stupid. <laughs> you know? They're just sacrificing babies. I yeah, just don't believe, I don't, I just think that, I don't believe, I think that the people that are, that are at the top of the chain are, are not a bunch of bumbling idiots. I, they're, I think they're smart and they've kept themselves out of the public eye on purpose. And I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I just don't think they're, I mean, I, I agree. It's hard to run the world. I can't even run my own life or my own family, but I, I, I just, their family business is running the world, man. It's not, Oh, there's it's, elements of that, but I'm talking about that. It's not the ACE hardware store. That exclusive owl camp isn't some weird cabal where they're drinking the blood of virgins. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. true. That's, that's yeah. what I'm addressing. Yes, yes, yes. He, he's Mr. Conspiracy, but he's he believes the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like that's, Alex Jones. Yes. Me. Thank you. Yes, yes. Like, you believe... You don't, you don't believe religion Jesus is Christ farce, is coming down to make sure that the jet fuel is properly... The moon landing was fake, but Jonah spent definitely spent four days in a whale's belly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's a libertarian's Rush Limbaugh, and sure. uh, and and living in Austin, like you get a lot of the backstory on this dude. One, I used to love him, man. I, I not love him as far as listen. I love that he 
He he's a heretic almost. Like yes. he's oh, like, yes. hey, yeah. think differently. So he's a kook and he comes from fear and he got. But like, I love that idea of don't take what you're told to be the truth. You yeah. know, the, I don't know what happened with him and or if he's always been like he is now, which I feel like is just a lunatic. But I, I still I like Alex Jones and those guys, Alex Jones and then the Coast to Coast, like those shows that make you go the way you see things necessarily isn't the way it is. I, sure. I like that. I think yeah, Alex I Jones too. now is a lot like comics who make it big and do good for a while and have their own audience. After a while, they lose the meat of what they're saying sure. because they're just trying to keep that audience and they believe too much in themselves. Yeah. So, Everything can't be because then you're washing you're. You, that you take legitimacy away from things that that legitimately should be looked into. If everything that happens, you're like, they made that up. There was no shooting at the at the middle school yeah. or whatever. You know, you, some things are real. You, you, everything can't be to fit into your way of like this shows that it's a conspiracy. Yeah, th- it, there, there's a point of irresponsibility where conspiracy theory, while trying to, where it, what, what? I'm so sorry to. Uh, it's hard to express this when you have. When you have clear propaganda in your face, it's very easy to take conspiracy theory to see through that propaganda. But when it starts inflating and getting bigger than itself and feeding that narcissism, conspiracy theory becomes another form of propaganda yeah. that's easily uh, manipulated by the other side to just cloud it all up. That's what happened that's in great. this election, yeah. really, right? I mean, it, it is. became like exactly everybody was like, well, that conspiracy might be true, so then now my facts are like... Yeah. It's, it's it, And I think that's what happened. Like, now I you just... It's the, it's the problem with liberals have today. Like liberals are the first people who attack each other. Oh yeah, you know the, the, because they're all trying to out liberal each other because it's a, a, another form of narcissism. And and here's the fun part: uh, <laughs> they can't focus. So when Trump says something like "Oh, grab my the pussy," they can't let that go. Oh, grab my pussy, and then they ignore all the cuts to the EPA. Yes. And then they just each week it's just it's the easiest thing. All the all the conservatives have to do is like they maintain their lives like. Fuck you, fuck your health. We want the money. The EPA thing is crazy. How much they're gutting it. And oh, like, dude, uh, yeah, that it, it's so depressing. Um, one of one of the things I recognized uh, from listening to people who weren't uh, liberals, they were a lot of libertarians and a lot of the right. That they that a, a lot of the left, their sensitivity to language, sensitivity to words, uh, the safe spaces thing. It really pissed a lot of people off who aren't necessarily conservative right. Christians, but they're sick of people telling them, you can't say this, you're going to lose your job. Yeah, uh, any, yes. Anybody that shuts down yeah. communication. Sim- similar things happen, and we've been talking about this with, to me with feminism, you yeah. know, like what's going on. It's like it's turning people that general, like, are generally liberal and generally want equality. It's like, wait a minute, you're ignoring a whole stream of facts by yeah. saying that everything is set up against you when the court systems aren't and the sentencing right. things aren't and the the schooling isn't and the, the, you know my my wife's job everybody that works there everybody they almost everybody is a woman you know so it's you're not sexism is real but it goes it goes both ways it, it really does, does. Yeah. It, it's like it's like racism everybody's look, everybody's a, looking out at society and not looking in the mirror absolutely at, and that and nobody wants to hear that, really. Right. Well, everyone, going to what you're saying, because when you say that, when you say, well, okay, it's not this because of this, this, and this, uh, uh, when it comes to feminism, it, that's not a right answer, too, because it, it also clouds the fact that it doesn't actually address the problems that they're 
bringing up. I agree. So what happens with that? That's the problem you have with contrarians for the sake of contrarians. Mm. Contrarian talking is is important, but it, at some point it comes just another side, it's so up. that nothing actually gets done. So, yeah, you're I, you, yeah. you're absolutely right there, and I find myself the more I try to examine stuff, and the older I get, the less I I'm firm on certain things that. I used to be firm on. Right. Uh, I, I try to be open-minded and trying to look at things from different people's perspective. And obviously you look at where somebody comes from yeah. and what their experience in life has been. Uh, for me to see so many people who grew up on food stamps and grew up on public assistance totally reject uh, uh, Democrats uh, who have generally been the ones who have supported that. Um, and I, I think there needs to be some sort of fix in the system, but as a kid who grew up on food stamps, our life would have been much worse without some sort of public assistance. Yeah. I, I had right. that life without I'm, the public assistance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, let's, let's, let's get to that. Where, where are you guys from, uh, originally and how did you get into comedy? Like, w tell me about your first, what made you get up on that stage? Cause that's something I see it. I love stand up comedy and it's it's like you guys are performing something that a lot of the population would be freaked the fuck out to be doing. Oh, I used to not be able to eat the whole day before I went <laughs> up, and I just I would just be a crazy. I'm still a little bit of a crazy mess before I go up, but not. I mean, I used to just be, but I I, I I'm a mutt. I've lived all over: New York, Wisconsin, Atlanta, Illinois, Wisconsin, Atlanta. You know, I'm just. My sister was a world class figure skater, and as we came up, wow. we would we would sort of end a divorce, and we'd move to wherever like the new training facility was and blah 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 sort of you know so that led never going to a school for more than two one or two years you know but uh comedy was just i was delivering pizzas and when i was going to school at florida state and they were having some comedy contest and friends around there were like you're funny you should go do that so i went in with a bunch of friends and it was judged on crowd response so i won the contest and then it went back for the finals and just was awful you know and, and then but something about like and then maybe the third or fourth time i did it i would i genuinely was like oh and you you get hit with that oh my god like this is great yeah and then it's like a drug where you're sort of chasing that i guess forever and then you do it for about a year here and there just screwing around for drinks and blah 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 and getting up there and doing whatever you saw on television or whatever and then something happens where i locked in i was like oh this is a thing to do and so I started writing and reading about it, reading about writing comedy, and then it's, uh, it, and then you just think you know you're no longer cutting grass and you're out making a living being a comedian, you know. Yeah. And then I got an agent early on and started working a lot and met my wife and bought a motorhome and traveled around and lived in it for three years while, we, while I did comedy, traveling around and staying in state parks and flying jays and Walmart parking lots and stuff, and <laughs> and then. Uh, that's a dream to a few of my friends who yeah. want to be out traveling. It was it a was wife that'll put up with that shit. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It was like we on the phone for three hours. You know, we were apart for five weeks at a time and in love and blah blah blah. And we're dreaming of how do we make this work that I can be a comedian and we can be together. And so we once we got married and we just like got our thing and literally drove off into the sunset. That was like the start of our movie. It was kind of cool for us. And then so, but we were like we could do a motorhome and then we. Got this big thirty-foot motorhome with double slides, and pulled our car behind us, and made it our home for a few years. As I did comedy, it was it was not as romantic and 
and spiritual and all that stuff as you think it is but it was it was cool you know and yeah. then we had a kid and got a house and now i just do comedy you know nice yeah. nice. it's like ah, i forget sometimes how lucky i am to be getting up every day writing jokes and telling them it's such a fun thing you know? dude it's yeah i admire it yeah it's fun i uh i always loved stand-up uh but i uh i didn't really have the background ever people had I, I grew up in san antonio texas and uh just had like the shittiest basically I had a shitty life, but yeah. I never felt it was that shitty. I just, I was able to top anyone who had a bad life <laughs> yeah. or if they had a bad week, I was like, Oh, that was your week. Oh, check out this week. Yeah. So I found myself defining myself by the negative so much because that was the only thing I felt like I could compete with. Like I wasn't a star athlete. I, I couldn't do too many things, but I could out shitty life you. Yeah, I can relate. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. So I, I, when I when my when I got kicked out of my house and my dad stole my college money. How, uh, how old were you? Uh, Seventeen, eighteen, right in that area. Oh, dude, I was homeless for five years, and uh, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll learn. I'll learn guitar." Uh, I, I kept wanting to do comedy, but I was like, "Well, I, I'm homeless. I should learn guitar and uh, crash at places, and I guess I'll do music because I had a knack for that." And then finally, uh, after nine eleven, my grandfather died. And uh, my grandmother needed help, so I moved to my grandmother's, and I was like, fuck, I, the band shit is so hard. You need money. You really need money and backing. When you look at that industry and you realize that relying on a drummer who just wants to have a kid and settle down and just tour Texas, you're like, this isn't real. Yeah. And then I entered comedy just at the point where it was becoming just like music. Okay. <laughs> so... uh did, I, uh, were, you, that, did I, were you at your grandmother's after, after I met you or before I met you? I guess it was after because you were doing some comedy. Yeah. It, well, uh, I started there. I was taking care of her. And then when she uh, got too old, we you know put her in the hospice, you know, into the home stuff. But uh, I was I was on the streets for like five years, living, just learning how to make friends. I think you were homeless when I met you. Yeah. It was right on the edge of that. Where would you sleep? Where would you stay? Uh, I, I would I would get like uh, like uh, the first car I got. Uh, I got from a dad's friend. It was like this Buddhist, and I ended up getting screwed on the deal because my dad was involved yeah. type of deal. Yeah. That car broke down. Fuck Buddha. Uh, <laughs> then while it was broken down, I to get it fixed, the mechanic would steal the car. And buy, like the 600 I put towards the engine and bought a whole bunch of meth and went to Mexico. And so his partner gave me his car, and then that car would catch on fire. So I, in between sleeping in those beat-ups, I would – you know, hey, I play guitar. Oh, you play bass? I need a place to crash. You know, people people took pity on me. I I grew up in this diner called Jim's. When you're young, people will uh people will probably give you a couch to stay on. Sure, yeah. Not right. as much as you think. And also, I had a lot of pride. Like uh, I I didn't want to be that. Like I didn't do drugs while I was homeless because I thought it was too cliche. Really? I, yeah, I thought I was like, well, I'm not smoking pot now. I got to earn it. Yeah, you know, I don't want. I'm already homeless playing guitar. I can't go straight to heroin. That's just too. <laughs> such a cliche. Right. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want. I'm gonna be original at this. Yeah. you know, I'm a fucking artist, man. Uh, like so, I just had all these stories, and friends of mine would try and go to open mics, and and they were terrible. And then finally, uh, like after 9/11, uh, when my uh, uh, grandfather was you know dying out, uh, I was like, well, what am I doing? I, this is the stuff I always want to talk about. I was I grew up on Carlin and. Hicks, like when I was 13, I bought two tapes. I bought Craig Shoemaker's The Love Master and Bill Hicks's Relentless. Nice. Polar opposites. Yeah. I, wrote, I took a walk smoking Marlboro Reds and drinking Seema Red. 
And I took a walk, listening to Craig Shoemaker laughing. I'm like, oh, this is funny. The Love Master. Oh, he does a Don Knotts impression. That's cute. You know, and oh, he sings the national anthem as the Love Master. And I was like, oh, that's all. That's funny. And then I listened to Bill Hicks and that just completely smashed the other side. And, Did it right uh, away when the first time you listened to it, 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 it you, you were into him? Oh, or, fucking loved it. I, I would. I, I didn't would have uh, that response. When I was, didn't. No, when I was uh, in uh, seventh grade, uh, this is probably what really got me. I always wanted to do comedy. Like yeah. Robin Williams' Life at the Met, I remember cry laughing as a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a bitter divorce guy, so I grew up on Sam Kinison's uh, Louder Than Hell. Yeah. So, which, so good. Yeah, didn't really translate to, you know, sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to all the kids. But I remember one Halloween, uh, seventh grade, it was like uh, my dad picked me up from school. We went to the bar, and uh, he drank till about 9 p.m. And then... All right, time time to go trick or treating. <laughs> what? So he stops at a grocery store, buys a dollar clown mask, throws at me with a hefty bag, and all it's all done. It's all over. And then I just go street to street. I can't breathe in this goddamn mask. I had glasses on. You can't wear a mask in these glasses, so it's just fogging up. So I just went door to door saying, uh, "Pick a celebrity. I'll do an impression of it." Whoa! And I was not good. <laughs> I was just fat and wanted candy. Right, and, I've, and I wanted a trick-or-treating experience because I've never had a good Halloween. I'm like, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to have a good Halloween, wherever I, whatever happens. And each store I went to, they would say, like, do Jack Nicholson. And you're like, eh, whatever. Here's Johnny. Give me a Snickers. Yeah. You know? And this one lady goes, do George Carlin. And I had just seen his special, but I couldn't quite nail it. I was like, I, oh, fuck. Yeah. So then I just picked up George Carlin tapes that I would either steal or uh, – I would uh, steal pornography and uh, chewing tobacco, and I'd sell it to all the rich kids at school. <laughs> and then I used that great. money to buy Hendrix, Pryor, and Carlin albums. Yeah, man. And then Hell yeah. it just kind of took hold, and I, I held off on the dream until I was, you know, you know, after 9-11. I was like, fuck, this, I want to talk about this, and I'm tired of music, and my best friend fucking pawned my guitar, that piece of shit, and I'm tired of relying on other people. If I fail at this, I fail on my own merits. Who was the first comedian that you guys saw live that, uh, made you really take a look at what you're doing and take it seriously. Oof. Tom, I don't know. I think that when you first start, the guy that was in the the guy that was hosting the shows, you're like, this guy is unreal. Yeah. And then four four years later, you work with him, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. like what was I thinking? You know what I mean? It's because you get a different. Well, as you do it, you get to you got start to realize what jokes everybody does what are the you know um you know one of the first comics on the road that i worked with first i worked with um uh no shit the, the southern dude that's so funny that's uh that's still around for the uh, ron white no no no. he used to he used to write for foxworth vic henley i oh, worked okay. with vic henley vic and i was henley, like that yeah. guy was he was literally the first comic i worked with and i just thought he was hilarious and i was right and then uh over time, it's been like the guys I work with, my buddies Danny Bevins, you know, Daryl Lennox, and my friend Kostaki, who I used to write with a lot. And then, um, but the first guy that I was, I worked, I worked in D.C. and I worked with Dave Attell one week. Oh. And the first night I saw him, I was like, "Yeah, he's good, he's good." And then the next night I saw him, I was like, "Holy shit!" And the more you watch the shows, you get to watch seven shows in the week. Like, I was so humbled by that, like yeah. the way his writing he would have a different punchline to the same joke. Like one night it would be, I saw a girl with a, bar, with a black eye, and I'm thinking, well, she doesn't listen. And then the next night it would be, I saw a girl with a black eye, and I'm thinking, well, she's seeing somebody. Like who has two 
different punchline to the same. Like you know, I, it just blew me away. Like five tags, and he'd use two one night and three the next. That would be different. It, it like that. Like those kind of guy. Like working with somebody that just makes you go, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah that's games for the memories. Yeah, that, yeah. and then and then uh, and then I went and I worked with Robert Hawkins, and like you start to work with these guys that are like. Every every three four five months you'd work with somebody you're like what you just want to throw your notebook away, you know. And then you just these are the guys that work with Bill Burr coming up, you know. Like they just stand out. The guys that are really doing it the way that jump out. That those are the ones. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it was harder for me because uh, I started in a mall club. Yeah, which one? Uh, River Center Comedy Club, San Antonio, Texas. Nice. Uh, third floor across from an AMC theater, tucked away in a corner that. With no advertising, <laughs> uh, and I, I came in at the tail end of the their Latino comedy jam segments okay. that were coming down, and so it was just these angry Mexican comics and all shitting and hating on each other and bullying each other. And I'm coming in, hey, what's going on? And fuck you, that type of deal. It was very cutthroat for nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I would start my own shows because there's stuff I wanted to talk about, but I also respected comedy enough to go, okay, well, I'm not going to st- learn how to open by telling the war on ideology jokes. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I was, it was a mix, man. When I started, it was half base, dirty, just condom fucking. Yeah. Here's try a- to get the laughs, you know, and right. then, cause the other stuff is harder to well, just also, come out. I'm a disgusting about. human being. Well, how right? old were you when you started? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 24. Yeah. I mean, right there. there's, you know, a lot of young guys when they start out, you know, they'll talk about like, just your typical hacky stuff that, but as time goes well, on, the other half would be the other half would be stuff that I'm, I still kind of do today. Uh-huh. Uh, the war on ideology, uh, the, the, the false sympathy for the troops that people try to use to make up for the fact that they're never going to do it themselves. Yeah. Like the fact that people would putting supporting the troop ribbons magnets on the gas tank of their car. Yeah. Dude. And not understand that, the correlation of those two things, you <laughs> right. know, that type of shit mixed in with, and uh, here's a big giant black dick on my, you know, from the mic stand, pussy rotisserie and pointing it in chicks faces. Like it was, it was very polar opposite. Well, even, you know, even early Hicks, if you listen to it yeah. was, there was a lot of exactly what he just yep. said mixed yep. with the other stuff, you know? Yeah. And then as he went on, like his, those those specials and stuff that he shot in England and stuff. And there's none of that really in there. There's right. none of that sort of the big Bavani car. You know, that's like that stuff isn't in there. It's more like, hey, pull up G7. You know, like, yeah. no, Goat, goat like, Boy is in that. Like, the, the, he, he got a lot more subversive su- uh, and sophisticated in the way. And, and, and I think confident in just being able to talk about all that stuff. And then, like you said, he outgrow all the. 20 minutes on masturbation and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, he didn't always, out, he didn't obviously outgrow it all, but at, he was 30, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that, that he wouldn't be doing that stuff as much today that he did. Can, can I tell you my guy? That sure, I, yeah, absolutely. His name's Tom Simmons. Tom Simmons? What? <laughs> yeah, he's right over there. I told you this before. When I, uh, because I was the, the political guy, quote unquote, uh-huh. in, in San Antonio, when Tom would come through, like all the comics were like, the first week he came through, I didn't get to see him. But I got to hear everybody go, Jay, you need to see this guy. Nice. This is the guy. He's fun. He's cool. No, nah, he lives in a he lives in a van with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he's red. Like to every twenty four year old's dream. Like, oh my god, this guy right. the guy found a woman that'll fuck him and <laughs> and travel in a shitty R V. Yeah, it wasn't a shitty R V. It was nice. Oh, she's beautiful too. Yeah, everyone was very complimentary. Yes. About it. But it's like, yeah, he talks about the things that you want you're talking about, but in a different way. But he's funny. With punchlines. <laughs> 
he has jokes. <laughs> He's just not rambling up there yelling at the crowd yeah. in a dragon shirt or whatever. <laughs> they didn't have a dragon shirt, but I'm, I love it. So like, uh, I, I was like, I just permanently burned in my memory. I want to work with this guy. I want to work with this guy. So I think a year goes by and they bring him back. I, uh, by that time, they were like, they finally hired me to to do the. Well, we don't like this headliner, so we'll try Jay out with him. You know. And then finally, when Tom's coming, I was like, I want to work with that guy because I think I have something to learn. I want to see what this guy's doing because I just, I'm all about the process. I want to figure out the mechanics. And uh, it was perfect, man. It was, it was great. Like, uh, he, you keep growing and evolving, but it's, it's one of those challenges like, fuck, he can make it funny to people in a shitty mall in South Texas. Yeah. And then uh, on the side, I, I made sure to book my old show when he was coming through. Because part of the fun of doing old shows, I had this little underground room. I was like, I had an audience space from the sketch group called Comedia Go Go right. that was in like punk rock clubs. So I was able to develop material there. And then I would just get all the people that I want, hey, let's express what we really want to talk about. Bush sucks. Let's fucking do this, you know? And then invite Tom to come down and go, do what you really want to do. I know what you yeah. have to do at the club, but do what you really want to do. And then just seeing him just like a child, like, yay, this is. There's people willing to listen to this. <laughs> so it was fun to watch him have fun about it. And then, uh, so that, that was one of the like, key points. So working with him, uh, seeing a young Chad Daniels, just having, uh, if you don't know who Chad Daniels is, he's great. But when he was really young, he was completely subversive. And he would just cry on the stage sometimes. <laughs> just he's he's, a, great, he's just a great, great comic. Fearless. You know? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fearless. Uh, Danny Bevins, uh, I, got, I got to meet Jimmy Dore. Who's nice. fantastic, yeah. and he wasn't a cunt to me, and I hear that that's a rare thing. Nice. <laughs> no, he's a good guy. No, he's a really good guy. But I, he's, <laughs> yeah. I've, heard, I've heard prickly things. He will lay into you. He's the guy that's gonna like Jimmy turned me around as a young as a young comic as uh, I was working with him, and I was doing a typical, you know, you need to beat your kids type of thing, and he was like, "Do you believe that? Do you believe that for real?" And I'm like, <laughs> and, you and out. I was like, "No," and he was like, "Well, then don't say it. It's yeah. idiotic. You don't believe it." And you're doing it just to get a laugh, and you're you're contributing to people hitting their kids in the future, and and it just it was like one of those moments, like you know what, you're totally right, yeah. and now I have like ten minutes the other way on it, you know sure. what I mean? That makes that point. So, yeah, he's he's not gonna he's he's gonna call you out on your shit. Yeah. Yeah, I like that about Jimmy. Yeah, I think he was nice to me because I was the first guy to come up to him that was like, you like Bill Hicks? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I'm a big Kill Your Heroes guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as much as I love those things, but you also don't want to get caught up in the trap of hero worship. Absolutely. You know, it's bad. Well, you do, it, it's easy. You'll see people like become not sycophantish. Uh, they, when someone starts saying a lot of things that you agree with, yep. it's easier to say, well, everything they say is perfect. Sure. You know, because that means I'm perfect. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's some things I didn't agree. Like I, I like talking about marketing and Bill Hicks talked about marketing and he was always the anti-marketing guy, but yeah. you're, you're like, dude, you brand yourself. Absolutely. You're burning American flag on a cigarette for your black and white photos. You're clearly affecting an image of marketing of some type. You know, it's, yeah, I, I have that same like, you know, like once again, going back to Stan, I'm a huge, I'm a big Stanhope fan. But if you're on stage wearing a shirt that has libertarian written across yeah. it and doing a bit about how you can't label yourself. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're labeling yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, we it's I, I have the similar thing, like even your heroes, you kind of go, oh, there's a hypocrisy. Like, so you, we try to do that to ourselves in our own yeah. act and call. And while we're doing the show, we try to make sure that we're 
calling each other out on it. And, and, and this show, like we're doing, this is only like our fourth show of this. So we started in Chicago with nothing except we, we know we want to do this show and we got the angle and we got to do it. We're building towards building this into a thing, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then we go to Canon a few weeks and the guy's all excited about filming it and setting up the tour up there for two weeks. And we figure the Canadians, they, they're, they're mad at America now, yeah. right? So they're going to, they're going to want us to do more bash America, which we're not necessarily doing, but it's like we got to get it to there. So we're having this thing after shows where we're like, all right, you can't be doing this and I can't be doing that. We got to each sort of... It's got to make sense It's got to flow. It's got to be like a... It can't just be three guys up there telling stand-up, taking our turn. It's going to be... There's going to be an arc and the show's going to... It's going to be a show with stand-up. You know, we're we're obviously doing stand-up. We want to have it to be almost like a three-act show yeah, we, we tried doing like a questioning answering thing afterwards and it felt fucking terrible it, it, wasn't, uh, it worked it well wasn't. but it, it's one of those things that's like we're not running for office yeah we're actually just like i think the goal of it is heretical thinking is important for one to your own heroes but also to yourself ask questions you know demand better from yourself and, and don't buy into your own bullshit call yeah. yourself out yeah the whole you don't know you know like like that's to me, well, like you were just talking, like you have to have. If you really do a lot of reading, the answers you we don't know the answers, yeah. and that's the real is like you have to know that you don't know, and it could you you're wrong probably, yeah, you know, which is frustrating as shit to me because like now you're arguing with a flat earther and you're like, well, you know, maybe I don't know, you know, yeah, again, agree to disagree, no, <laughs> you know? so it's it, it, I don't agree to disagree. I, I never argue with flat earthers, by the way. If you're a flat earther in 2017. Right. Just, By the way, you're wearing a Cavs hat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this is a very deep issue. <laughs> well, and it's not flat brimmed. Listen, listen. I can support the team without <laughs> supporting the ideals of the certain individuals. There is no flat earth in team. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like he's speaking of Kyrie Irving. So but like, another claiming... thing you said earlier that I want to come back to was the sort of the libertarian like and the liberals getting mad. Like, what I think what happens is every, when whenever whenever your team isn't in charge yeah you're like all right they're doing it and then the other people are like all right like right now liberals and we're yeah. all riled up like everything trump does like we're we're on it and look what he's doing here look at this billy sign and meanwhile when obama was president none of us we we're too busy arguing with fucking flat earthers to even yeah, no, to even bitch about him and push him to be more yeah. what we wanted what we wanted. So we're we're like it's he's doing fine and and then that side sees through the illusion of this is bullshit and they're gutting what the principles of America are. and we they all do it. We just don't focus on it until our team isn't the guy doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like now Fox News is everything they're they're defending you know and cnn is like i say where we go after the guy yeah. where when when obama was in office like would you shut up you're gonna bitch about something every day yeah. you know it's true well, yeah it was that was the fun part is just watching these people like bitching and crying with people that already agree with them yeah you know like while obama's in office and then trump gets elected like if you thought it was bad when there was a social progressive in office yeah. <laughs> i can't wait to see you you've already exhausted all your hyperbole yeah and now it's just frail people online. Like, I don't know how to go outside anymore. <laughs> it's one of my favorite thing about shows now is just like uh, for like weeks after election, even till now, it's just filled with sad liberals. Just why? Yeah. Did yep. no one read my yeah. blog? <laughs> I didn't know Nebraska was real. Like, yeah, you should have told her too. You know? Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people lose focus of, um, you know, we all got bills to pay. We got families raised. We got our own selves to worry about. So all these bigger ideas and bigger things going on can be overwhelming when you got 
you know, you got to worry about your kid's homework. You got to worry yeah, about. Yeah, especially in fucking comedy, man. Uh, there's so many shitty comics that are just crying and bitching, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially about like there, there is an element uh, of shitty dudes out there that are in the way of everything. Mm-hmm. It's open mics. Yeah. There's a lot of shitty comics all over and then people are just crying about it and just, we need more justice reform and comedy. It's like, you know what? Tell me, t- why don't you try telling that to a black woman police officer about your struggles with your hobby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. This isn't a hobby. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think that when we, um, when we look where we are now and y- you guys can, build an audience through social media through things like podcast where you can hear somebody in a conversation on a podcast and then somebody who may not have ever heard of you guys would go see uh you know the show that you're putting on and become lifelong fans right right Um, and you said you have a show i i I caught your show on youtube watched it a little bit uh i subscribed to it Talk about that a little bit. Talk about the sh- I show. I have, for the last two years, I've done this show called So Then There's This. It's mostly, I'm surprised you found it on YouTube, to be honest, because I don't even, they they didn't, the, I was owned by, by a division of Fox, So Then There's This. I had a small deal with them. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so they were, it was mostly Facebook-based, or almost entirely Facebook. Oh, wow. They had the Facebook page for it, blah, blah, blah. But, so... Whatever I went through doing that, I've, what I've got to the point now where now I'm, I'm, I'm sort of doing it myself, mm-hmm. and I'm and I don't even really have a name for it yet. Right now, I'm just calling it After This. Yeah. I put out like 15 <laughs> more episodes. Yes. <laughs> no. and, I know. So I don't have anything yet. But I, uh, yes, it's it's really just, uh, you know, two-minute clips or minute clip videos of yeah. me uh, doing topical stories or issue-driven sort of topical stories. And then I just do the story and do as many jokes as I can about it in two minutes. You know, it's like, here's an injustice that I see, and now I'm going to make fun of that. By the way, that and sounds it, really easy and flippant. But it's actually it's the, not. The, the quality material he's writing. It's good, and the number of videos he's doing yeah. and exhausting is is almost impossible. I've found I've found like a new excitement about it. like for two years I've yeah. sort of been battling with with how do I do this and learn to write in this way and like now I'm just talking to a camera in my dining room so I, you don't know the tone and you're trying to and then you got. I have uh, lawyers and editors and producers above me that are adding out this joke and this joke and then changing it this way or adding in a graphic like a little too soon or perfectly, however, you know. And then they're always three days late because the timing of them is just a weird thing. And so I've sort of been learning how to do it. And now it's more just one take. I film film a few takes and then I – I use one and then I cut it at the beginning and cut it at the end and there's not a lot of – there's no editing going on and stuff in between. So it, it's just been, yeah, so now, it, but I'm re-excited by it. It's like, oh, like, this is a way, like you're saying, to still do stand-up as frequently as I want about whatever I want to write about, and I can get it out there, and more people will see it in an hour than would in th- three months of touring around telling jokes to, to, to crowds, you yeah. know? Although there's come, there is something that that three months hones it and makes it better overall, mm. but... There's an excitement to get it written, get it out there, and then, like you said, people are laughing at it. They're having fun with it. They're, then they become fans, and now when I show up somewhere, there's 20 of them, 20 more that come because yeah. of this. Yeah. And I'm I, – I, like, he's not feeling it yet on this, on these videos, but to me it's, it's not like – I'm not feeling it. I, I, I just, just don't I, care. I just – I feel like it's it's like going to a packed comedy club every every time I write a new three minutes of material. That's good, man. And doing that material – 
in a way that you do need a crowd because they give you that feedback on if the joke's funny or the changing the nuances or the words or put this word here over this word. But there is a weird free Danny Bevins always used to say the crowd's the least important thing, and I just disagree with that wholeheartedly. I'm like the crowd's the most important thing, but there is a freedom to tell on the jokes the way you you want them to be told. Yeah, and to be fair, also uh, it's not like you haven't had decades of experience writing jokes. Yes, so this is not something that some two year comic can just go in and go, well, I'm just going to go master that because then it just pollutes and saturates the medium of shit. Uh, if like, there, yeah, yeah, if there's thirty, if there's twenty jokes in that two minutes, there was forty jokes. Whoa! And I and I got it to that. Like I'm, I'm trying to cut out as much as I can, and that's from the two years of working for them, where they're like, they got to be a minute and a half. I'm like, no, nah, can I just do this one for two and a half? <laughs> you know? And then, and now that I'm doing it myself, I'm finding okay, they're right. These two and a half minute ones are too long, unless they're really sort of meaty. You know? Well, well, you say that, but then people like Philip DeFranco can release an eighteen minute video. People like Trey Crowder, who is kind of doing something similar to what that's you guys are the doing. The Southern liberal thing. That's sort yeah. of what happened. We were Our other tour was sort of a Southern liberal tour, mm-hmm. and that was the marketing to it. And then literally about six months after we started doing it, his videos hit, and then they started their well-read tour. So yeah. they had to do that. It had to, And so that sort of became, oh, he's already doing that. Now it looks like we are kind of doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think it's we, like parallel thinking? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because when we start, the other thing was called, it was a Sick of Stupid, and mm-hmm. it was a tour that this, a young comic came up with. They, oh, everybody, every comic comes up with the same idea. I'm, me and my friends, we're going to go around and do a tour. We're going to film it. It's going to be a documentary on Netflix. And S- Stuart and I were both to him like, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. You're this, you're, this isn't a new idea you have. And the, the niche of the audience made it where people were showing up for it. Yeah. And so we were a little like, huh? And then, and then, so uh, when we were trying to think of other liberal Southern comics that do this, we're, me and Stuart were sitting around talking about it, blah blah blah, because there was different conflicts. Where at one point they were, I was out, another point, you know. So we we could literally not think of more comics that that fit the bill, really. Yeah. And the one guy that kept coming up that we were pitched to each other would be Trey. Yeah. And then and then Trey's videos hit, and it was like, see, that's the guy I was telling you about, you know, because he's a he's a good fucking young comic, you know. Yeah. And those and then that video those videos took off, and then they he's got his group of friends, so they put together their tour, and then took off, and then it's like, ugh, there's a southern liberal thing already. And we, were, we were going to stick place with that. Walks in. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? Good old second place walks no, in. No, 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 no. So you're definitely, a, you're definitely to, to me, you're definitely a huge upgrade. And then we get to sort of have a thing where we're all on the same well, page. Also, I'm and, not liberal. And mm. yeah. And, and so we're not, we don't consider ourselves, I'm, I'm obviously very left, but uh-huh. I also have conflict with liberals on sure. plenty of issues. Yeah, so, yeah. We don't want it. We didn't want to define it as that. It's more about independent and open-minded and free thinkers and stuff like that. Yeah, I like so, questioning. I'm, yeah, so I'm we also went, yeah. So we went through all these. Like, how do we do it? And let's make it more inclusive than just the South. Why we can still sort of attract those people in the South. Well, also labels yeah. are at least in my in my thinking is like I always viewed liberalism and conservatism, libertarian, all that. Those are tools. Yeah. And depend the situation dictates the tools you need. Yeah. Sometimes you need a conservative tool. Sometimes you need a very liberal tool. Uh, it's the job that requires the philosophy. 
Like, like, like most philosophy, if you just prescribe to one, if you're like Heigl or, or Kierkegaard, some people are like, well, I just like to look on the big to look at the small. And other people are like, well, I agree, but I think you should look at the small to see the big picture. And you're like, no, you should do both Yeah. as tools, Yes. depending on the situation you're confronted on that requires which one. And I feel like experience in life is you gather the most tools you can. And through experiences, you, you start learning which which situations require which tools. Yeah. So I, that's why I didn't want to have like a, a politically themed show. Sure. To be part of. Yes. But it does sort of have that a little bit of a feel of that. We know there's going to be some anti-Trump resistance. Sure. To yeah. Her, you know what I mean? Which is fine. You know what I mean? But we're, we so just, you guys play with that. Huh? You play with that with the audience coming in thinking, oh, these guys are going to be totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I we love are, it. But we, Stuart but... has the best story on that. He was, uh, when you guys were touring last, he was talking about this one girl in the front row just fidgeting and just mad uh, through everyone's sets. And then Stuart was closing it out. And he's like, all right, let's, let's talk about this. What's wrong? And she goes, I thought this would be a political show. <laughs> he was like, well, I'm doing philosophy and consciousness and asking what is the soul. You're not going <laughs> to. He does. He's sort of big picture like that. He's more. You can hear what he does. Sure. You know what I mean. Sort of calling. Every- <laughs> you know, we have no idea. <laughs> calling everybody out on our own and his self out on his bullshit with jokes and and his philosophy. And then and I'm more. I do do. I'm more of like. I start off with some stuff about about uh, Trump and the and the, and then I'll talk about uh, abortion and women's rights. And then I, he's I'm very into, I'm into talking now. about race mm. and. The Federal Reserve Bank, like those are the things that like get me excited, you know. Yeah. Or how the, the everything's collapsing and the environment's falling apart. It's like doomsday rack. I'm trying to figure out a way to be informed and hopeful and laugh about it. So that's that's what I'm doing, you know. And on the show, back to that, just Facebook. Tom Simmons and I have. I'm putting up videos every week. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, do you have any any? Uh, and before before I get on to you, uh, Stuart Huff. By the way, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's he's the other gentleman on this. His one man show is called Sense Ain't Common, and it was the 2016 Critics' Choice for Best Comedy at the Orlando Film Festival. So, and that was the one before French, the French one, festival. and that's the one before he's doing the French now. festival. French festival, yeah, he's been doing French festivals, so he can oh French festival, yeah, yes. so that's he can right. Do more Sorry. of these hour pieces and, and work out these bigger ideas. Yeah, he's uh, great at it. He's great at it in a weird sense, like uh, the, what attracted me. Like I, I hadn't met Stuart before this; I, I just knew Tom. And but I kept hearing Stuart Huff, and I was like, "Oh, there's this guy who lives in his car." I was like, "Yeah, I get it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I can relate." I saw him in a, in a, in a I am Road comic documentary about sneaking into hotels to get uh, is showers. he on this? Yeah. Oh, I, I need am to go Road back and comic. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him and uh, 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 Kristen Key, who's very funny, and uh, Tim. Oh, I always forget his name. Uh, Tim Northern. Tim is it Northern? I don't. Yeah, it might be Tim Northern. Be. I don't know. Uh, I didn't watch it. Uh, anyways. Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, I think this is Ghost of Christmas Future, you know? And then I hear he's long-winded on stage and gets these big ideas. I'm like, oh, shit, I better research what this guy is doing so we don't parallel because I'm very conscious of that. And I saw this one video. He doesn't have it out. He finally took it down because it's his new hour. But this one video I saw was just him doing a bar show. And he starts off with he, – he's basically – he's talking about uh, 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 atheism, agnosticism, uh, philosophers, and scientists – and he's not doing that Richard Hawkins, uh, uh, Richard Dawkins, excuse me, and uh, Sam Harris way, where it's the classic hits. You know, Jesus ain't real. You know, they just they, he's not doing the surface. He's doing like 16th century uh, uh, monks, yeah, and uh, and killing in a bar show, crushing in a fucking bar show. You hear the jingling of glasses. It's a terrible recording. Yeah, but I just watch it. I'm like motherfucker. 
because there's all these weird like I was just talking to I was I was typing to Dave Lasso in Chicago. He was asking about the tour. Uh, he was like, "How's the, how's the rest of the tour going?" I'm like, "It's great." And we start talking about Huff. I was like, "Yeah, it's weird because like he's so good on the content. You you kind of ignore some of the blue collar ticks that he has for it. Like he's worked some shitholes. He's worked some absolute shitholes, and you can see a little bit of that in his act. Yes, he's got a he's got a thorough line of how do I communicate to these fucking idiots? Yeah." There's a thing about the road, like a lot of the, the L.A., New York. The yeah. guy, they, they, there's a there's a thing like the road has this 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 sort of it's looked down on yes. being a road comic, yeah, right. And that and you can see that in most comedy, you know. But one of the things Stewart's done, I think, through his whole career is use the road and not get used by the road. Mm, that's know? a great nice. way of putting it. And that's that's sort of I feel like I've tried to do that too. Where it's you, there is a you have. That's why a lot of these guys they come out from from New York or L.A. and they do their hour and they're like, "What the? It doesn't work." Yeah, and they're used to killing, so they get mad and then it's it's a different polish, man. So we've gone the yeah. So so we sort of figured out how to make middle middle America laugh at us making fun of Jesus or us making fun of think belief systems that you have to dance around. You yeah. Know? yeah. So even, we figured out a way to get the laughs and get our points across. Hold on, hold jokes. On, hold on, I don't. Even, I don't even think that's totally true because I think it's easy to say middle America. The fact is, this election teaches that. Yeah, we we're not so regionally divided. We right. are in tone. Yes, but what you learned in your last tour with the with oh the yeah. seven liberal thing is even that, if there's forty five percent, you lose. Even if they're getting crushed sixty forty in the election, there's still forty percent of the population that is like, hey, I think differently. Yes, where is why am I not being represented? Yeah, I, I need why a place am I, to every go. southerner a stupid idiot. Why yeah. is there no educated yeah. southerner? Yeah. We want can, them and the non voters because right. that's the majority. Yes, like so more people identify as independent in this country. Yeah. than Republican or Democrat. Yeah. And those are the people that I've always enjoyed talking to. Yeah. Because that, that's the people that are like, yeah, well, I, I agree with this and I agree with this on this side and I'll listen to both things. Like, yeah, how do we get you inspired and passionate? They're not very passionate people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to get people who don't go out and do stuff. Yeah, there's not a lot of people on the gun thing like, I'm on both sides. Yeah. Wait, we should have a little be. gun reform and maybe, you know. Little like, guns. And we should have guns. You know, there's no, it's like you got to be either I'm abortion or I'm anti-abortion. Like there's no, like for, like for us or me, there's a little like, hey, I, I. I see both here. Absolutely. I'm, part of me one day is thinking this, and the next day this. Yeah, How Tom are you the, so fucking certain that you're right? Tom you're uses, wrong yeah, if you yeah. think you're right. That's, yeah. that's so. Hold and, on, let me let me say. Tom uses this. Tom's got the best abortion stance I've heard in ever because it doesn't actually it actually approaches both sides to himself. Yes. He it's the way I feel about abortion. It's like, well, what do I genuinely feel? I'm not going to tell people how to feel. I'm going to tell you how I feel, and I'm working on both sides. Where does life begin? What is the value of life? Those are questions that are worth asking, and he's not demanding it from the audience. He's just showcasing the question to himself and him working it out and in a funny way. And if the crowd is like – gets, he's talking about things that – you know, this isn't Jim Belushi, you know, like – Fuck them, <laughs> you know. And the few people are like, you know what? I was I was completely a, a pro-choice, but that is an interesting question. What is the value of life? I should probably question that for myself, so I'm stronger in my own arguments. And really? he does that with jokes. And I don't really think they think about that. It's like they just laugh, and then later, you know, it's like when I would, if you go see Stanhope, sometimes you're not laughing the whole way through, but the next couple of days, you're like, that idea is yes. fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. yeah, you know. And that's the way Carlin used to be for me. I would watch and not yeah. necessarily be bent over laughing like I would be at 
whoever, you know? Yeah. On, like I was saying about Hicks earlier, watching that first special he was on, it was like him and Dom Herrera and the Robert Schimmel and, and, and Tim the, Allen and, legends and, and, and Dice Clay. And who was the one that had me laughing hardest? I'm humiliated to say was Dice Clay, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, so I don't, I don't really know what my point is. Um, real quick. Some, some listeners may not be stand up comedy fans and they might not understand when you talk about bar shows and you talk negatively about it, uh, that you might not get an audience there who is there for the show. Yeah, it's all about intent. Yeah. Uh, it, it, a lot of bar shows mm-hmm. historically are we show up to these people just trying to drink, watch watch the game, watch muted ESPN, yep, play some darts, shoot a little pool, and then out of nowhere, hey, you want to hear about my thoughts and feelings? I'm a stranger. <laughs> yep. And yeah. they're like, fuck, I have to hear this all the day. So that's mostly the environment for it. Uh, it's gotten a lot better now because, you know, there's more uh, media where it's like, hey, we're going to do a show. It's a comedy show. People are familiar with comedy. So it's not quite like that. But the people that are attracted to that who are – it's weird, man. Like the, the comedy clubs, it's easy to say that they're not that much better either Yeah. because it's – people are – if you're just going – if you're going to see a person that you already know – then you're invested in the show. You're like, I like this guy. I know this guy. I want to see this guy. But if you're just going to see comedy, yeah, it's it's so subjective. It you is. don't know what it is. And, it, and it's honestly, most people just want, in the order of their things that they do in the night, they just want to drink, smoke, and fuck. Yep. And then Netflix is there, and then movies, and then, well, let's try live entertainment. We'll go at the 8 o'clock show so we can get plowed, wasted, and I can fuck you. And hopefully I didn't have to talk to each other throughout the entire date because we've been married so long that there's nothing else to fucking say. You're so say. pessimistic. <laughs> pessimistic? No, yeah. I just know the audience. Yeah. <laughs> I know the crowd that I'm usually talking to. And when I, I say it. that, because I tell them this, I tell them from the top, I know, I know what the fuck you are. And this is just, I don't want them leaving thinking that I don't fucking see it. <laughs> I don't want them thinking like they shined it on me. It's like, no, I know for a fact you don't give a fuck that I'm up here saying. I'm telling you right now, I'm not the guy you paid to see. I'm the I'm the first guy you didn't pay to see, or the second guy. Yeah, you you wouldn't get most people going out on a on a weeknight going. Oh, I'm just gonna go listen to what they have yeah. music on the on yeah. the on the, the billboard. I'm just gonna go watch whatever music. You know, comedy is so much different. And if I could, if I they should be genres, like you know what I'm saying. Like there should be, like there is in music, country and and rock and jazz and yeah. blah blah blah. There should be some sort of thing that you can go. Okay, this is this is in my wheelhouse. I don't yeah. know if it should because uh, you lose opportunities to see things that you wouldn't normally good, see. Good point. Because it'd be very easy to typecast a Stuart Huffis. Oh, he's Southern because he says y'all and has an accent. Mm. You know, uh, to tie it into the original thing where it comes to the political climate. The difference between doing comedy now and, say, when Bush was in office, even though there's a lot of echo of feelings, is back then when we would try to do this material, the, the management and bar staff and audience would say, man, we don't want to hear that, man. We get, we get all of that out there. We're coming here to escape. Yep. Now, because people are so charged up and so interested in it, they're there to hear about yes, it. Yes, that's a good I that's I like that. That's true. He's that's exactly right. They'd be like, We don't want to hear about it you now and now they're like, We want to hear about it, which I the problem, that's what I mean by being excited by it. Yeah. The problem though with that is there is an element of we want to hear about it just so long as we agree with it. Yep. Yep. And that's divide the camps. And this is the fun part where we're trying to figure out this tour to to navigate and yeah. 
develop. Now, at the beginning of this, he he had mentioned that you had been punched on stage. Well, Stewart. Stewart's been punched on stage. I've Stewart's uh, been punched on stage. The, the guy who's down here. Yes. Yeah, I'm a I'm a better <laughs> fighter. It's a funny story because I, there was a club in Macon that I was working with my buddy Matt Bergman, and and it was it's sort of a it's Macon, you know, Macon, yeah. Georgia, is sort of what you what you'd expect, and it was really sort of it was a country bar. And uh, the green room, you know, was not. But uh, I, he, I remember the the MC just talking to us about comedy and talking to us about how he'd list all the comedians that would just crush there. And it was like, ugh. ugh. <laughs> and so I wrote on the wall, just joking around, because I did okay. If you kill here, get out of the business. You know, <laughs> it, you know and <laughs> and Stewart got punched on stage there after doing some jokes. The guy was he was doing some jokes about how when he his sister is a lesbian and in a lesbian marriage and he donated sperm to the to them to have a kid you know so so anyway he comes up the guy comes up on stage is mad about that and in the middle of the bit just punches him right and and Stuart's sitting in the green room after the show holding ice on his thing and he looks up and he sees that thing from me if you kill here get out of the business and he said it cheered him up just to, you know made him feel better it's, it's kind of a cool little circle of circle of comedy life you know has that ever happened to one of you guys i i've had it happen almost a lot uh one, I'm fortunate enough, I, I know how to talk my way out of it, and I also don't take it personal. Yeah. Uh, that's everything. Like, when people have hecklers, there, there's two tricks I have. Like, when people are yelling, like, oh, blah, 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 I just, oh, here's a shot. They're already drunk. Like, I've, I think I've destroyed lives this way. <laughs> it's happened on three occasions. I was like, oh, what are you drinking? You want makers? Uh, it's on me. Get them a shot. And then we'll take a shot together. But since they're already drunk, one, two, they're gone. Yeah. They're already done. I've had one lady fall into a wall. My favorite... Was this one dude left the show? I was just middling. It was uh, it was during uh, uh, whatever. This guy was couldn't couldn't handle his booze. He was done. Slammed into the wall. Walked outside the club. It was on an upstairs. He tried to go down the up escalator. Kept hitting his head, flopping back and forth, and then finally got in his car and crashed into the bar across the street and got arrested. Nice. His whole life's ruined. I'm just saying. I know how to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I haven't been. I have a. Uh, I've been. Uh, I had a candle thrown at me, like a, like a table, like a restaurant table candle. <laughs> nice. So that's about that's that's about the worst I've had. I've had two lesbian burlesque dancers uh, start off throwing uh, the glass of champagne uh, in my face. Missed. Uh, I should probably tell the situation. I mean, like these, they, they were heckling in a way. It was a small hookah bar. We're having a good show. Uh, there were performers there on the weekend nights. We were just doing an open mic and. These girls were just on the couch, just fucking with every comic, like making fun of them. Yeah. Like one comic was like, well, there's this one girl and I didn't ask her out. Why? Because you're gay. Like just doing shit like that. Because you're a big old faggot. And the guy's like, no, I'm just going to do the jokes. So I tried to talk to them and try to do a thing. And they start screaming. And then I start yelling about them being being too ugly for, you know, day stripping. That's why they're doing burlesque and just, you know, that I attack them for having kids. And while they're on the couch, boozing it up, scissoring each other. And trying to distract the show. And I was like, why don't you just put in Rango? Is that what's babysitting them right now? Is Rango at home taking care of it them? And then she throws the fucking champagne glass at me. Misses. I stand there to take it because I figured I said something shitty. I'm, I deserve this. <laughs> I don't feel like I shouldn't take the hit. Uh, then she throws the bottle because uh, I, I accused her of missing. She missed again. Like literally where you're sitting, yeah. like four feet away. Right. She's missing. Uh, finally, the hookah throws out. And I, I yell, like, for a lesbian, you're terrible at softball. <laughs> she jumps up on stage, tries to grab the mic. I unplug the mic. 
uh, so she starts yelling into this empty, you know, voiceless mic now. What's going on? We're just having a good time. Why are you doing this? Why are you? Well, so she's yelling at me. I start fucking the couch. Uh, like they were kind of doing to each other. I start fucking the pillows on the couch. And she's like, I'm trying to talk. Why aren't you paying attention? I'm like, well, this sounds familiar. <laughs> this situation sounds equally familiar to a situation that was earlier. She throws the mic, missed again, four, four times. Uh, shit like that happens uh, less frequently now, but uh, it, it's worth it. Yeah. It's always worth you it. You can normally maintain control of the crowd, though. <laughs> right. Well, we'll we'll wrap it up here uh, with this last question. I heard a story about uh, Daniel Tosh digging digging himself a hole on purpose. Oh, that was just a side job, man. He needed the money (laughs) 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 to to get out of it on stage. Have you guys ever done that? Dug yourself a hole where you're like, all right, I'm gonna walk, maybe walk some of these people, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna win them back. All right, I think Tosh probably got a couple of doozies. my favorite situation, uh, yeah, uh, I've done, I've done, I've done the opposite. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, w- I was, I was in Fort Worth uh, Hyenas. It's a, it's a great club, but there's a lot of new money rednecks, and and it can be rousheous. But you can every now and then get away with ideas as long as you're not a douche about it. So for 25 minutes, one of the best shows I've had ever. It was so much fun, and I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I've earned enough trust. Now I can do some of the stuff that I really like to do. And I have a five-minute bit about how I wish my first joke could be of just me killing myself. Because I think it's funny. <laughs> and I don't tell him a joke. I just think it's a funny idea that if a comic walked on stage and just immediately killed himself. Because he didn't even take a chance. <laughs> and how confusing for the audience. It's like, well, did he try? No. He didn't even try. There was no note. There was no reason to do it. It's like it would be just something you would memorize. And so I was obsessed with that idea. And now it works. Uh <laughs> So no, it doesn't. It worked in Chicago. Okay, it worked. They were fine. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. It's very specific. No, I will stand by this joke because I have proof. I have the tape. It fucking okay. works. Okay, okay. Uh, well, because I go through the whole like scenario of like after the situation, like this poor girl who'd never seen comedy, and now that's what she thinks comedy is. <laughs> See, I would. If I was in the audience and heard that, it was, I'd it be worked. dying worked. I have a different niche than Tom does. Yes. <laughs> I like the monsters. So like, like, like her life's ruined, right? And then their marriage falls. She's in a mental hospital, right? And she just can't get through it. But then she falls in love with like the Puerto Rican janitor. Right? And he teaches her how to dance. And he takes a sponge. And like, there's no blood, but he watches it off with this fake sponge, right? And then she finds herself. She gets better. And then afterwards, her family, they kick her. I don't know. They just, I don't know how it works. They graduate her, like, right? A hat ceremony. Well, her, so does it cause a hole? Yeah. Her, well, yeah. Uh, while I'm doing this bit, I'm enjoying it while I'm telling it. Because sure. it's, it's fun to me. To like, you know, she's, her life's terribly destroyed. It's great. You know? Are you, are you seeing the shock on people's faces? No, I am hearing the deafening silence. <sighs> <laughs> I'm hearing the air escape their lungs. Like, no. Huh. Oh. Which I have a say for that. I tell them, I'm like, guys, I'm not actually going to do it. This is, <laughs> I'm too old. It's not suicide at oh, 35. No that's one's so dark. Yeah, you're just dead. <laughs> it's so dark. Like you're what 44. Yeah. If you killed yourself, you're not dead. You just died. <laughs> You've lived a life. No one's like there was so much in front. Of, no, no, I guess not. You I skipped the bad parts. <laughs> So while I'm doing it, I'm enjoying it because I'm, I'm telegraphing that I, this is fun. Sure. I could hear this lady harsh whisper. 
you're fucking insane. <laughs> and she meant it. Yeah. She meant it. It was so disturbing and just blowing kisses leaving. Oh, dude. Oh, that's fun. I got a lot of closures like that, too. That's the sad part. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sucks to come from that bad experience, but it does shape you. Like, if you can escape it and get through it with a little less harm than most people, um, man, it can really shape you into like the tool you were talking about yeah. tools. The comedy is such a good tool to convey a message because it's so subversive where people are coming to laugh and yeah. coming to have a good time. And then they get these ideas. There's that, other ways to have a good time. You, you like horror movies? Yeah. They're fun. Yeah, they're fun. Why can't I have a horrific act? That's awesome. Yes. Fun. <laughs> All right. So let, let's, let's talk about, um, where people can find your stuff. Uh, Tom, you have some, Albums on iTunes, Amazon, and Pandora, along with your uh, your content that you're putting out. Yeah, I have the those three. I have a new one, I think, coming out. I'm working with the the editor now on it, and then that stuff from the last five or six years that mm-hmm. I've recorded in different spots. And then, uh, so those those three albums are up on iTunes. Yeah, and then the the news, the, all the new stuff is the is the. So then there's this, you know. So just check out Tom Simmons on face on Facebook, and I'll and there should be an American Heretics. Um, YouTube page coming up soon where I'm going to start putting that content and doing some of some of his sort of rants and stuff to get him up because I, I now I I'm a sudden believer in this internet thing, dude. Right? <laughs> it's, it's it's taken off. I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah, I'm hearing. I good like things. that you're saying that while the boat is already sailing away. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing good things. I'm going to swim out to that boat. So I, I, I grab feel, hold of it before we we don't have it any longer. Yeah, I just I I'm I'm having more luck recently realizing oh there are there are fans out there and yeah. then I can reach out and engage with them and it's like you said it's gonna it brings people to the shows and it gives me an audience that i didn't realize was even there yeah you know so i'm excited by it good man uh and uh jay you have uh let's see you have a debut album that hit number one on itunes yeah it's uh it's called high lonesome i have it in corner i'll just give it to you nice uh it's on itunes amazon all that uh it's uh i i like it it's good and Stewart's got the same thing. He's got his. Yeah. He's got albums out. A few of them. I think he's got four. Nice. And then he's he's recording his new special in Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. And, nice. And he's making a very interesting sort of documentary comedy on on what on his idea. It's yeah. Let's cool. plug that because what, what, he's not what here. Club? What club? Go bananas. Go bananas. Oh, it's one of the best. Next yeah, week, isn't it? It's, it's. I saw Duncan Trussell there. Uh, it's that club has a specialness to it, man. And the Dude. guy that oh, the guy that books it is really sort of strict in like the way he sees comedy and what he yeah. wants in there and so he's yeah so he's going to it's and it's such a fun room dude so. it's weird that it's tucked away in such a conservative area yes and it's kind of hidden in in the back so if if you happen to like to smoke pot you might be able to go right. smoke pot out in the parking lot it's next to a bar or in the kitchen with or, the staff <laughs> yeah no well that's that's what i love about that club is that it's there's all these little restaurants and all these like and uh, it's fight club it, all yeah. the staff you just see them get off work, and they're all just doing rails in the bar bathroom. <laughs> just like, did you see what that piece of shit fought? You know, and they're just having a great time. It's wonderful. So he's gonna have he's gonna bring in some uh, some uh, professors, a couple philosophers, some free thinkers, some blah, blah blah blah, and he's gonna do interviews with them about the me- the meaning of life or the or or just tailored towards their expertise. Yeah, what they're what what they're experts, and then he's gonna you know mesh it with what he's what his act already is wow which is this answering that question of how does a mind close yeah you know and 
and why it closes and and here's the history from then until now and and so he's yeah it's going to be it's it'll be a good special you know i'm Man. these both these guys that's why i want to tour with guys that i that are going to make give me that fire again in me that makes me go oh i can't wait to do this joke or i can't wait to talk to the crowds about this you well, know plus i i hear comics talk about it all the time how lonely the road can be and it's probably cool to have people that are your companions that you're kind of you're going into you know for lack of a better term battled together right at these shows from city to city yeah. um i i think it's so cool man i like lonely Thanks, yeah I do. <laughs> you like solitude i like lonely yeah not solitude that's that's restful that sounds peaceful <laughs> i just like lonely lonely longing you know <laughs> no, I, I I just like that. I, I like I'm liking the idea of sort of being it. And I know Stewart's going to throw out his whole act as soon as he records it, and then he's going to write another chunk for this. And we're going to this show. It's like I'm I'm just I'm really excited to turn this into more than just three guys going up on stage telling jokes for their time. Oh you yeah, know? and it's it's yeah. And, and I know that there's an audience for it. And I know that they're that they're out there looking for they don't even realize but i know that they're that absolutely they're out there, you know well hopefully uh you guys will get a few people following you from listening to this and um i appreciate you guys coming through the dayton area and um you know sharing the joy wiley's is a great club um it's uh, the oregon district and it's a great place to go have some drinks get something to eat right it's a really cool place um uh, but yeah i hope you guys have a great time tonight and I really appreciate chatting with you. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. We'll try oh. to change the world with our jokes so our, it, ki- our kids have a world, you know? Hell yeah. I don't want Hell kids, yeah. and I'm not trying to yeah. change shit. <laughs> yeah, well. I love it. All right. Thank you, fellas. Uh, at the end of this, I usually go out with music or something. I'll add something at the end of this. So you guys take care of yourselves. Uh, follow us on social media at uh, Gym City Podcast, and follow me at The Izzy Rock. You guys want to give your Twitter or anything like that? At T. Simmons Comedy, at American Heretics. That's fine. (laughs) No one's listened to that going, oh, I'm doing that. That's not true, man. All right. Prove him wrong, people. You've got to put yourself out there on podcast. Somebody's out there like, yeah, I'm 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 on the computer now. I want to talk to you, and I'm interested in what you're doing, and and this is fun because this also helps iron out how to to actually – talking through this irons out the ideas, but I don't – all that I'm gonna die. Who Jeez. gives a fuck? So glum. And I hope I, hope, I want people. To, I hope some people like what I do. But who? Like the whole fans idea. I'd rather see a person. No man. It's a community. It's not even about fans. Not, uh, it's about people who are like, man. I can totally relate to him. Yeah, I'll, I'd rather I'll follow learn him on Twitter. And maybe talk to. Him. Maybe go to a show and. Talk to him afterwards. Yeah, like no, please do that. Talk yeah. to me, like as a person. I would. Lo- I'm not. I'm nothing. I would rather learn. For I want to see what you have to say. I then if you don't follow him, come follow me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you shit about him. I'll post little pictures of him on that him being miserable on Instagram. It's just I'm not miserable. It's not a misery thing. It's really? just I like genuine. Just I like you know. You're genuinely miserable. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. I, from my perspective, yes. I'm you, smiling. you enjoy being miserable. <laughs> I don't feel miserable. <laughs> no. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. I wish we would have got to know you more. I know, man. Well, oh, yeah, I felt you, like an you can listen to the podcast when you're on the road. If you well, want. that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. All right. You all take care. Thanks.
Place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.